0: Welcome to End of the Line. I'm Jim Anderton, Multimedia Content Director at engineering.com. On today's episode, the real cause of e-waste, it's not what you think. Today's episode is brought to you by engineering.com, a globally trusted source for engineering content. Check out this and many other exclusive videos for the engineering professional found only on engineering.com TV today. This is my clock radio or more accurately this used to be my clock radio. Now this device is now junk, e-waste and it's going into a landfill. Now, I don't want it to go into a landfill, and in fact I'd like it to do what it's done for the last five years, which is wake me up every morning to AM talk radio, but it doesn't do that anymore. And there is an irony to that. I also own one of these. This is a Zenith clock radio made in the 1950s, and although it was made long before I was born, I keep it in the basement and I listen to it when I'm at my workbench. Yes, it still works, the radio and the clock, despite the fact that it uses a mechanical clock full of moving parts and the classic all-American five vacuum tube setup that formed the basis for almost all mass-market radio sets in America at that time. This unit used brittle, UV-sensitive styrene plastics, continuously running cheap stamped steel gears, and hot running fragile vacuum tubes, yet 70 years later, it still works. The fully digital unit is dead after five years. Is this because they don't make them like they used to? Now, you think I'm going to say yes, but in fact, the opposite is true. I looked at the retail price of that old radio. It cost about $25 in the early 1950s. Now, using a readily available online inflation calculator, this translates to a price today of approximately $252. Now, I paid less than 30 bucks for the digital unit, and I'll bet you could find it on Amazon for about 20. So here's where the e-waste factor comes in. $250 table radios do exist today. They're durable and they perform far better than that old vacuum tube unit from the 1950s. But like millions of people today as a consumer, I feel that spending that much money for a device whose only purpose is to wake me up in the morning is wasteful and I'd rather spend the cash on other things. As economists say, there's an opportunity cost in investing that much money on a radio alarm clock. Now the quid pro quo for the $20 radio, however, is a limited life expectancy. Is five years adequate? Well, today the answer is yes, as software-controlled devices with higher levels of functionality and connectivity made the old unit obsolete and undesirable even before it blew up. Now, environmentalists who complain about planned obsolescence simply don't get it. Consumers may be willing to spend exactly the same amount adjusted for inflation that they did in the 1950s for products that are more durable than they were then, and they might keep them forever. But there are tremendous incentives to not do that and there are similar incentives on manufacturers to keep offering more useful, higher-performance consumer goods to induce users to trade up. Now, you could argue that this has an environmental price, and it does, but there's no way to eliminate the natural human desire for newer, better things. Now, in Europe, manufacturers are often compelled to develop consumer goods with a product stewardship plan which accounts for their end-of-life environmental impact. BMW, for example, has a program to dismantle older cars and recycle as much of the materials as possible but BMWs are expensive and programs like that are one reason why. Now at this point I see very little motivation on the part of the public to pay more to buy consumer electronics with a guaranteed waste diversion program built into the purchase price. Now it's too late for my digital radio, it's going to the landfill. But how will I prevent the next one from going there too? Well simple, I'm not replacing it. My smartphone has that functionality built into it now. Of course I'm likely to get rid of this phone in two or three years as better models are available, and part of what makes the next one better may be a guarantee of recyclability at the end of its life. Well, that's it for this week's episode of End of the Line. To check out these podcasts as videos, visit engineering.com TV. If you like this show, consider joining engineering.com to get personalized story recommendations, follow topics you care about, and participate with the global engineering community. Thanks for tuning in.